Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, April 8th edition of the Basement Academy. Our morning psalm, which I love, Psalm 128. It's one of the pilgrim psalms, uh, which are always little short ones as they were making their journey up to Jerusalem for the uh, religious festivals. And often they reflect on the blessing of uh, being God's people. Here we read, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem, and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Amen. Six short verses, the blessing of domestic life at, at one level, fruitful labor, marital um, blessing and with the children, and then to the generations. May you live to see your children's children. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. And that is this kind of core teaching of the scripture. Um, that those who walk in the way of the Lord, uh, they're the ones who are like the trees by the streams of water bearing fruit. And so God created us for flourishing relationships. Flourishing relationship with himself flourishing relationship with our neighbors. So if you picture Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, flourish, uh, abound. And so um, sin, of course, has interrupted all of that and disrupted it. And, and so as Jesus comes, he comes to teach a new way, a different way, a better way, the kingdom way. And so yesterday, looking at uh, the early verses, the first few verses in chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged. The measure you give, the measure will be you will receive. Kind of the boomerang thing. And if you give to uh, the dogs, you know, those you view as dogs, your pearls of wisdom, your, 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 you know, your great insights on their life, <laughs> Don't be surprised when they turn and attack you. Rather, get the plank out of your own eye. Take care of your own business. And then you'll see clearly. Then you'll see clearly to be able to address uh, the neighbor. And so we go on. And again, the Sermon on the Mount is not a string of pearls separate from each other, but it feels that way right now. As we read uh, in chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. 
Okay, just, what is that, five, six verses? <clears throat> this seems totally unconnected, <laughs> disconnected from judge not lest you be judged, get the plank out of your own eye, um, etc. But it's not. We, we need to see this as connected to the previous context. Now, um, <clears throat> uh, the Hebrew language, this is, Jesus probably spoke in Aramaic, and this is written in Greek, but uh, as Jews, right, the Hebraic mindset often would make a point by emphasis, by repetition, okay? Uh, the, the, the Proverbs do this all the time. <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So it's kind of saying the same thing two different ways in a contrastive way. Here, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Ask, seek, knock. <clears throat> it's a great little rubric, right? In, in, in many ways. Um, the context is these, I don't think this is a real word, these judgy kind of relationships, <clears throat> which is how people typically relate to each other. It is certainly how the Pharisees were relating to the world. They, they were called as the leaders in, in many respects, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and others were involved they were, they were charged with shepherding and leading Israel, interpreting Torah, <clears throat> law and prophets, bringing forth, um, again, trying to help the, the nation, uh, the people of God flourish. But over time, it had turned into something kind of calcified and ossified. It had become external only, wearing the masks, the hypocrites, the actors. They were acting at the game of religion. They were acting at their uh, prayers and their fasting and their almsgiving. <clears throat> they were creating a great impression and they had their reward in full, the applause, that is the admiration and recognition of the people. But along with that externalizing religion, <clears throat> there was also um, a bit of elitism looking down on others. And so uh, what Jesus calls for is a different way of approaching the relationship with the neighbor, instead of always trying to be correcting them, hey, let me get the speck out of your eye. Jesus is trying to flip the thing. Kingdom righteousness cares about what, pay attention to yourself first. Ask, okay, so there's, I think there's two applications. We typically see this as just a call to prayer. It is that, but it's more than that. It's in a context. Again, it's not, a, it's not a little pearl that is disconnected from the pearl that came before it. Two applications. Ask for assistance with the plank in your own eye. See, we've got, you know, my, my Bible, just like yours, probably has a little heading there, right? I can't, let me see if I can get to it, right? Ask, seek, knock. I don't know if you can see that. I'm, if you're listening on the podcast, you're not. I, I was holding up the Bible. It's just the next part of the, of the sermon. And so ask for help getting that plank out of your eye. Seek the Lord to understand why you do what you do. Um, knock on that door. Lord, open up a new way of, of me being uh, in relationship, okay? And so, and then ask for understanding of the speck in the brother's eye, the, the neighbor's eye, okay? So 
yes, it is a call to prayer, and we're already we're already told when we pray to go into our own room, close the door, pray to the Father who is unseen, who sees your heart. And so I, I think there's some calling back to that um, kingdom righteousness is not interested. Prayer is not about recognition and and uh, uh, veneration and adoration in the eyes of people for what a holy person we are. Prayer is about a relationship with God, and the relationship with God is very much tied into the relationship with the neighbor. Okay, and so. I think there are some earlier themes that are being hinted at. Seek first the kingdom of God. He's just spoken that, what, three minutes earlier in the sermon, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't, don't be all worried. <laughs> um, don't, don't give yourself only to this life. Recognize, you know, the mammon, God and mammon. Recognize there, there is a kingdom. There is a righteousness that is beyond this externalized um, in the eyes of men, righteousness. So be about that. The kingdom of God is very much concerned with reconciling relationships. Okay, this is what happened. Sin shatters the relationship with God, but most importantly, it shatters the relationship with others. And so this notion of knocking on a door, well, you've closed your door, well, you know, knock on that door and then, mm, you know, God will come in and, and be with you there. So, so I, I think initially with the ask, seek, knock, it, yes, it, it's about prayer. It's about persevering prayer. Um, it, it's, you know, ask for the things that you believe you need. It ties back to, Lord, I need bread. <laughs> I need food. I need clothes. So ask about that. Seek first his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. Seek reconciliation. Seek help in this whole thing of when you're wanting to judge others or you're feeling judged by them and you want to judge them back, ask and seek and, and knock. Let their opening the door has this image of somebody coming in and being in relationship. Uh, this gets picked up in um, the book of Revelation, right? Uh, John, who writes much later uh, in the early 90s AD, the apostle John is an older man has the vision, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens up, I will come in. And, and, and so I, I think there's kind of some connections here as well. And then Jesus kind of gives this kind of cryptic thing, but, but it's trying to help us understand that when we ask, seek, knock, God is right there. We don't have to kind of do gymnastics, religious, moral gymnastics, try to get God to pay attention to us. Which of you, if a son asks for bed, gives a stone? If he asks for fish, gives him a snake? It's like, duh. And it's a, it's a rhetorical device. So use it kind of hyperbole. You know, somebody asks for bread, you're not going to give them a stone. Somebody asks for fish, you're not going to bring a snake, particularly to your children. So you've got the, the father-child, the parent-child relationship. And so there's this parallel. Your father in heaven. Right? So Jesus has introduced this language. God is not some stern judge on the throne. He's your father in heaven. He's the unseen father. He delights to give good gifts to his children. He delights when we ask and seek and knock, particularly when we ask and seek and knock 
to be about restoring relationships and mending our own heart that wants to be all judgy towards others, okay? And so he's, he's presenting a different kind of relationship with God, a different kind of righteousness. The unseen father sees, knows what you need, and he gives what is best, always gives what is best. Now, the heart of God is concerned about right relationships with himself and with others. And so what's always been curious to me, still is a little bit so, we flow right from this into what we know as the golden rule. So in everything. Okay, and that's the language of summation, isn't it? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up it 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 comprehends it grasps all the law and prophets you can boil the law and prophets down to this do to others as you would have them do to you that is a the golden rule is relational it's about relationships about our 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 human relationships right also, it, it has to be seen in the context of the judgy relationships, but, but it can really go back and it begins, Jesus begins now to pivot towards the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, as we will see over the next uh, several days as we uh, get into next week. He starts to kind of bring it home and move towards application, okay? <clears throat> and so this has a summary feel to it. So, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Kingdom righteousness, which I'm, I'm arguing that's what this sermon is really about. It's contrastive to the Pharisaic righteousness. Kingdom righteousness is deeply concerned with relationship with the neighbor. Um, much later in the story, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he recites the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? So he, he doesn't do the first part of that, hear, O Israel. But he essentially recites the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And then he goes, and a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So we have a foreshadowing here uh, in the gold, what we call the golden rule of what he speaks more explicitly later that love of God, the kind of the vertical relationship we have, and love of neighbor, the horizontal relationship, are intricately bound together. You cannot separate them. John, in his letter, says... How can you say you love God whom you've not seen if you don't love your neighbor whom you have seen? And once again, Jesus is getting at something that, that is a, a deficiency in Pharisaic righteousness. Oh, we, we're all about God. We're all about prayer and fasting. and We're about giving to the needy. No, <laughs> there, there's no obedience and attentiveness to God and that is all for the adulation of men and so Jesus in giving what we call the golden rule 
It's the law and the prophets, Torah, the law of Moses, and and what Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah were about. Certainly they were about love of God, concern for idolatry and the like. But ultimately, there's this concern that God created the human family to bear his image, to flourish, to bear fruit, to, to enjoy him, glorify God and enjoy him forever, the chief end of man. And so kingdom righteousness recognizes that a right relationship with God depends on a right relationship with our neighbor. That if you are not in right relationship with your neighbor, then you need to pay attention to that because it will interfere and interrupt your relationship with God. So going back to uh, chapter five, again, there's this theme Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. I say to you, love your enemies. And pray for those and bless those who persecute you. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so this... This theme that runs throughout the Sermon on the Mount is this right relationship with the neighbor. Don't hate your brother in your heart. Don't lust after others. Don't manipulate oaths. Don't, don't, don't cross your fingers and try to swear by heaven or by Jerusalem or, you know, don't, don't try to manipulate others. Um, don't try to exaggerate um, any injury that has been done to you, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and then you exaggerate what you've, what harm and offense has happened to you so you can, you know, get after them. And so kingdom righteousness is, is deeply concerned about relationship with the neighbor. And this is what the Pharisees had lost touch with. they didn't care how oppressive their teachings were to real people because they weren't concerned about real people. They would lay on them great burdens and never lift a finger to assist with that burden they've laid on. And so Jesus spares nothing in his condemnation in the end of uh, this guy in Matthew 23 woe to you scribes and Pharisees, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. He just lays into them. So, so the golden rule stands in kind of a summary fashion, but it, it's, it, it's connected. God does not want us running around in these judgy kind of relationships, always trying to be like the moral police, trying to fix other people, speck and eye, speck and eye, speck and eye. It's this, be attentive to your own relationship with God, your own need, your own moral um, failings and failures, you who are evil. I mean, even Jesus even uses this language here. As we get our own house in order and as we Get, get into the prayer closet, we fast, we're no, you know, we don't care what others, uh, we don't want them to know that we're concerned to, to, to live our lives before the unseen Father who sees, who knows, who cares, who provides. 
and who also wants us to live in a certain way. And so if you do not want people to judge you, if you do not want people to look down their nose at you, if you don't want people to be nagging you about the failings in your life, well, don't do it to them. If, if you want people to be kind and gracious, to be merciful, right? To, to help make peace, uh, to, to sit with you in your sorrow and mourning and want them to mourn with you. If, whatever you want from others, be about doing that to them. And, and this is what God's after. God is not after you know, making sure that we're correcting people and, and setting high bars for them and calling them to moral perfection. It's sympathy, it's compassion, it's understanding. Those who understand, we talked about this in the Beatitudes, those who understand that they have been shown mercy are merciful. There's a connection. Those who understand they've been forgiven much, they end up loving much, and they're very kind and compassionate to others because they know how difficult the moral life is. The virtuous life is so difficult to achieve. So I like this little passage. It's short. Ask, seek, knock. But try to keep it in the context of reconciled and restored relationships. Start there. Ask God if you're at odds with somebody in your family. And there's what 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 human doesn't have something, you know, with parent, with sibling, with child, with cousin, with uncle, with aunt, you know, a coworker, wherever there's relationships that are strained in some way, ask God, seek, uh, knock, that God would would restore that and the father who delights to give good gifts to his children he's not going to give you stones and snakes okay if you're pursuing right relationships he is not he's not going to throw stones in at you and he's not going to you know toss snakes uh, into the room uh, he is going to delight to give good gifts he wants reconciliation in our lives this is so very important we live in such a tense polarized strange time. Let us be about this kind of work, doing to others, listening to them, trying to understand them, uh, being kind and gracious and forbearing and where we've got some differences. Say, I'm sure I don't know the whole story, what's going on in this person's life. I'm going to be kind to, to, you know, towards them. I'm, I'm not going to set them up you know, as a, as a bad person in my mind. I think there's so many ways we can apply this in kind of not overly religious ways. Just ask God for right relationships. Seek those right relationships. Knock on the door. And wouldn't it be great where the door's been closed to another person, a family member, somebody you've been at odds with? Wouldn't it be great if that door was open and you could uh, freely be in relationship with that person again? That would be so good. So I think that's what I think that's what this passage is really about, and hopefully we can um, be about this ourselves. So let's let's close here. We'll close out this week, and we pick up next week. There's there's some challenging uh, words yet yet to, to 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 study in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the teaching of our Lord Jesus. Couldn't make it clearer what 
we're supposed to be about. And though we know the golden rule and have known it perhaps from our childhood or youth, we confess that we so often fail to do to others as we would have them do to you. And so we fail at the law and prophets, at your word, at your will. And so, Lord, help us to get that plank out of our own eyes as well. And so we ask now and seek now and knock now that you would open doors and you would give good gifts to us, each of us, where we are at odds, where we we pray that you would move our hearts uh, to wish and to want and to will uh, these good relationships uh, with other people. Do what we pray for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you with open doors today and every day. And may he come in and bless you with his presence that you may love him and love your neighbor so very well. Amen.